framework in Jude. Let me get this other mic going here while I stall. We're going to be looking at verse 17 today. And then next week we'll be finishing up with you. Um, still looking at what we're going to do till we get into the holiday season. So I'm leaning again now towards Philippians chapter 4, looking at verses 6 through 9. Because what you see in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9 is a lot of practical spiritual things that you need to deal with everything going on in your life. And that's been a... It starts with rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And so uh, we'll be praying, seeing what happens, but we'll be finishing up uh, Jude tomorrow. You know, I'm sitting there thinking, uh, and again, I know we really support the Gideons, uh, but if you start thinking for your money, 100% goes to Bible. Uh, Also, uh, Heather and I were blessed to go to the special dinner they had for pastors, and when I see an organization that is not a church that is doing things, one, the gospel is forefront, but they weren't just kissing up to pastors. They understood the biblical structure in the Bible that God created the church and God created the authority of the, not just the pastor, but the elder. And a lot of Christian organizations try to act like churches and try to get everything over there. But what I love about the Gideons, they're about the gospel, getting the gospel out, and getting people into the church. And so that's solid. And then the fact that your money goes just to the word to be distributed, if you're looking for things that are going to be solid in that, I don't think you could ask for anything better. But again, afterwards, you know the drill. If you want to give to that, it'll be out there. And I think that's a good thing. So um, I kind of had different titles for this sermon. So I have here the truth, and I have the plan, survival strategy for bad times, okay? And uh, what we're seeing here in Jude is we're talking about false teachers, and we're talking about false teachers in the church, and we're talking about the church, not just talking about like a building and just a one group, but false teachers in the body of Christ. And it's, you know, a lot of times we struggle to stay true to God. We struggle to recognize the difference between what is true and what is false, And Satan cannot create anything. He only counterfeits. And I talked about last week that, uh, you know, like the Secret Service agents that are in charge of counterfeit bills, they don't waste their time as much understanding what a counterfeit bill looks like. They look at what a real bill looks like. And so many times we try to sit there and see the new things that people are believing and understand it and just go, we need to be in God's Word and we need to know God's Word And we need to know what the truth is, and then we will know what is false. And so when we struggle to keep the truth, to know the truth, we can choose to be fake, we choose the false, the choose the counterfeit, or you can choose the real, the genuine, the true. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And so your action step today is stay in the truth. And if I was to put the words, the truth, I would capitalize them. I put, uh, you know, quotation marks on both sides. I'm talking about Jesus. And again, I give you the reference in John 14, 6. Some of you, most of you, I say most of you, I'll get in trouble, but okay. You remember the three R's of school, reading, writing, arithmetic. Arithmetic, that's just bad language. It didn't start with an R, but we won't get into that, okay? But here's the three R's of truth. That's going to be your points today. No, it's not going to spell out a word, so get over it. Sometimes we need just uh, letters. But you're going to have three R's of truth. 
and that we're going to look at in this section of scripture. This, uh, so when we're looking at the background, this leads to a reason Jude addresses how to deal with what's going on. Jude uh, calls again. We keep hearing Peter called again. Jude calls again that we need to remember. See, here's the thing. We think, well, I've learned this, so it's settled. But all the time, stuff is being presented to us. And then our feelings and emotions try to lead instead of knowing God, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And if you go with your stomach or your desires first and not the truth, it will lead you into bad places. And so Jude is saying, you've got to remember the truth. This is why we need to continue to be in the Word. This is why we need to learn the Word. And we need to review the Word. Because Satan will present things that look good that look right, and then he'll say, did God really say that? And that's why we need to be in the Word. There are six reasons why we need. there's a lack of discernment that we're dealing with in the American church, lack of importance uh, uh, placed on doctrine. Uh, next year we're going to look, look into what we believe. Well, you may say, I know what I believe. Well, that's great. But we're going to look at what we need to believe as believers, as Christians, what does he say about life? What does he say about scripture? What does he say about all these things? And those things are doctrine and they're immovable. But when people stray from the truth, there's a lack of importance on saying that's doctrine and we're not moving from that. Another problem is replacing unconditional truth for cultural truth. We're dealing with that now. There's a lot of things in God's word that have not changed. But people will say, well, that was for those times. Some stuff, maybe, but not really. Not at all. Those are two ways we drift. Another, leaving the power of the word, uh, uh, leaving the power of the word to, to change to whatever people want. Guys, they're, you know, the, the Gideon testimonies of the fact that, of a Bible, yes, God wants to use us, but his word will not come back void. And the fact of people almost getting ready to end their life or drugs or whatever, and they find a Bible and they come to God. There's power in the Word. But when we say, ah, oh, it's just another document, it's got some great stuff in it, but let's listen to whatever anybody brings up. These are all ways of how we get into this problem of straight and not having discernment. Not properly discerning and studying the Scripture. Wednesday nights, it's kind of interesting. Um, we're going over what I preached, but it's like we're, we're unpackaging each verse. And whether, however you feel about that, it's like we need to really dissect the verses and the scripture. You definitely need your pastor to do that. But when people say, hey, I'm going to take that at face value, or I'm going to use this version or this translation, all those things are great but you need to know what the original says. You need to know what the context was. And if I took just reading a section of scripture out of context or not studying it, this is what's happening in the American church today. I'm going to use what I need to use and the rest I'm going to throw out. And I'm not going to take time to see what it really means. Lack of uh, correction in the church. These are all things that have led to this problem of people straying from the truth and not having discernment. What does that mean? Well, Peter says judgment begins in the house of the Lord. We're not to judge the lost, but if we know Christ, it's not about me being a, 
a dictator or anything if there's reading there's pastors and elders and a structure in a church because I will answer for if I let doctrine in or behavior in that a church says is okay and God says it is not. Right. And this is the reason why people have lack of discernment is because spiritual leaders have let anything in the door. Everybody is welcome. Everyone should come. I'm talking about doctrine. Sure. I'm talking about practice. And then the last problem, lack of spiritual maturity. Uh, you can be eight years old and be spiritually mature, or you can be really physically old and be spiritually mature or immature. Spiritual maturity is this. You hear God's word and you obey it, and you grow. And so think about it. If you don't have discernment, there's a reason, you know, we ordained my son a couple of weeks ago, but when you look at that section of scripture, it says, you know, it's a good thing to desire to be an elder or pastor, but don't take a novice or somebody new because of the fact of they need to grow in their maturity and understanding. And again, that's a whole obedience issue, not a physical age issue. So those are all, those are six reasons why there's a lack of discernment in the modern church. And when you have that, then you have the problem of false teachers. So that leads us to verse 17 through 23. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last days there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It, it, is the, it is these who cause division, worldly people devoid of spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by flesh. So let's go back to 17. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's again, I'm, I'm reminding you, uh, and he's saying, you're dear to me. I love that he's using the term beloved, that we need to understand that Jude believed who he was writing to. You're beloved. You're dear to me. I care for you. This is why I'm telling you this. And he says the predictions, the prophet, the prophecies. The prophets spoke truth that these were going to happen in the last days. The apostles spoke truth that we need to watch out for false teachers. And this is what he's saying here. He's saying we need to pay attention to what they prophesied about. So let's get into that and see what it is. Look at verse 18. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. Uh, I know we don't use the word uh, scoffer that much, or they scoffed at that. And then if you look at the definition, it's a mocker. And I know we use mocker all the time. I think we need to water that down and say, are you mocking me? Are you making fun of me? See how we had to get to where people would understand that today? I know you guys may understand it because you understand the word scoffers, right? Okay, I know you do. But anyway, but these false teachers are making fun of the things of God. And they're walking in that. That's, you know, oh, that's for them. You know, that's just silly. And so guess what? They're showing they're ungodly because anytime you don't follow God, you're not showing respect for God. So guess what? You're being ungodly. And so here's what they do. They're making fun of the things that God clearly says, so they're being ungodly, and they follow their natural sinful desires. That is not a good conversation. Uh, that is not a good decision. 
And when they walk in these things, it affects others. Look at verse 19. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. So let's look at the process that's happening here. Jude's saying, I need to remind you of this. You have these people that they're making fun of the things of God, and they're ungodly, and they're following their own desires. It's one thing when somebody chooses to do that, but when it is a quote-unquote spiritual leader in God's church, it is very dangerous. Because it's causing divisions. I believe to follow culture. I do not. You see this in denominations going on all the time. This is why we see denominations splitting. Because I want to follow culture. I want to follow God's word. Neither one is talking to each other. I don't look at our denomination splitting, but I do see it kind of split. But what I'm noticing, what bothers me, is those that are just going off a half step that they've heard. And they're not really looking at God's word and not talk to each other. And again, we're going to go with God's word. God's word is clear. But these false teachers come in, follow their own desires. It's one thing that they're leading others, and so it causes divisions. It separates us. And they're worldly people, and they're devoid. They're empty of God's spirit. It's all in their flesh. So they, they have a worldview. They're empty of God's spirit. They're causing division. Um and this is what we see. False teachers, we learned through Jude that they're going to be certain. And, and false teachers, we see here what they look like. They mock the things of God and they lead others to and they divide his true church. And they're empty. So your first R, you ready for it? I know you are. To stay in the truth, we need to remember the truth. John 14, 6. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And so we got to start with Jesus we got to start with his word, and we don't go off of that. And I'm sorry, I think most of God's word we can understand. I think most of God's word he's very clear on. And the things that we're not clear on, don't move. Don't move from what you know and go from there. But we need to remember the truth. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. So it starts with Jesus, and it starts with his word. Jude now lays down the plan, uh, the plan, the strategy to to be a healthy Christian in hard times, to survive in hard times. So first of all, he's saying you've got to start with the truth and remember the truth. And so we need to stay in love with God. Look at verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. So again, he says, beloved. That's awesome that he he's guiding them along. He says, you're dear to me. He goes, you need to be holy. Now, again, I try to really stress this. That does not mean perfect. That means set apart. Uh, statistics are showing that the world can't see much difference between a Christian and a, and a non-Christian. And people would say, well, we're saved by grace, not by works. And you're very much right. But you should be salt and light, and there should be a difference. Amen. We are to be a peculiar people. And so somebody would say, why are they going this way when we're all going this way? And the Chosen series, those, those shirts and stuff showing the fish that's going against the tide, against the stream. How are they going to know about God if we're going the same way? And statistics are showing most lost can't tell the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian because you're trying to be undercover. You're trying to fade into the carpet. Uh, he didn't call us to do that. We're to be set apart. We're to have, and notice what he says, and in the most holy faith, in other words, faith, trusting, committed that God, I'm going to trust what God, I'm going to trust the truth. I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to trust his word. 
And so, and praying in the Holy Spirit. We're to be a builder by praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping our, ourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of God, and having compassion. That's what we're going to see in the next few verses. But look at your next fill in here. To handle this, we must remain in the truth. That's the first part. The Word of, of God, that's the plan to grow, pray, and watch. So let's unpackage this game plan here. The game plan, first of all, grow in the Word. God's Word is our substance. And I and this is the Holy Spirit. I didn't plan this sermon for the Gideons to be here. But this is the scripture we're on. But if we're going to survive in these times where everybody's saying truth is relative, you've got to say, no, it's not. Yeah. Jesus is the only way, the only truth. He's the only one that said that. Muhammad didn't say it. Confucius didn't say it. Joseph Smith didn't say it. All that stuff. Only Jesus. No man comes to the Father but through me. We need to let that be our substance. But, so the first thing is you've got to grow in the Word. How's your Bible study? Mine goes back and forth sometimes, and I continue to have to be on track. And I try not to make it a legalistic thing. I want to be growing, and I want God to speak to me through that. And I definitely don't try to do my sermon prep and my teaching prep as my Bible study. I'm not going to do that. And I don't view this as a job, but I need to personally be fed also. And I get fed by preparing for you all. But that needs to be a spiritual habit. I don't mean it's in a bad way. You probably already thought what you're going to eat for lunch, either at the fall festival or somewhere. I don't think any of us have missed many meals. But when it comes to God's word, if you're waiting for just a Sunday dinner and then you go the rest of the week, no, you're not growing in the word. Growing the word is taking it in regularly, but also applying it to your life. So if you're going to survive, you've got to grow in the word. But notice the next thing. He says, pray in the spirit. Okay, Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What does that mean to pray in the Spirit for us Baptists that are scared of the Holy Spirit sometimes? Well, first of all, if you're saved, you're still with the Holy Spirit. And then you're studying God's Word, you're growing the Word, so you know when the Holy Spirit is talking to you because you're in the Word, and you know if it's from God because it will not go against His Word. And so praying in the Spirit means this, like Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, Your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And so praying in the Spirit says this, God, I would like this to happen, but I want your will to be done. That's not an easy out. That's not an excuse. God allows us to come before his throne and to change the, 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 the decisions of God, but ultimately we want God's will because he knows better. And so if you're going to fight against this moving of truth, grow in the word, Grow in prayer, communion with God. And prayer is something I know none of you struggle with, that I constantly struggle with. And I pray, I know that. And I try to pray right then, and I try to pray for you right then, and I try to have a spirit of, of, of praying. But the devil does not want us to pray, and he definitely doesn't want us to pray in the Spirit. And again, when I'm saying pray in the Spirit, I'm saying you're praying God's will. You're praying for the things that are affirmed in His Word. And when the Spirit moves you, and it's it's talking. There are people in your life you naturally talk to. That's how we should get with God. Satan wants to scare you out of that. He wants to tell you, you've got to have these big flowery prayers. You've got to do it a certain way. Really, what helped me the most was uh, the Purpose Driven Life, one chapter when it talked about a monk that would do sentence prayers to God all day long. 
Now, I try to do more than sentence prayers, but it got me off of, guess what? Just talk to God. So, if you're going to stay in the truth, you stay in His Word. You pray in the Spirit, looking towards Christ's return. That's the next thing. You wait for the Savior. You look for His return. You stay in the love of God. You build your faith. You, you, you keep in the truth of Christ. You keep praying in the Holy Spirit, guided by the Holy Spirit. My sister was making me jealous because... You know, one on my bucket list, I want to go to England someday. And, and, and so she was able to do that this last few weeks. And I got to talk to her the other day. And she was talking about there was a memorial to the people that prayed during World War II. And if you study the Battle of Britain, I mean, Britain almost went down. And, you know, Germany was doing a good job. And, like, Winston Churchill knew about this group that was praying. And there's a memorial to this group because there was one testimony of a time. It's like there were more German planes in the sky. There was hardly any British planes left. There was hardly any British pilots. This could have been the last thing. And then later, I mean, they, the, the Germans didn't fulfill whatever they were going to do. They turned around or whatever. And then after the war, when they started talking to people, you know, I guess they were talking to some of the German pilots. It's like, no, we thought we were outnumbered. At the exact same time, this group wouldn't even listen to the news. Imagine that, Christians. Oh, my goodness, Pastor, you're meddling. Okay? They wouldn't even listen to what was going on. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, but I'm saying they prayed. They prayed for God to intervene. And that even changed the course of the war for Britain. Praying in the Spirit. That, what do you think Satan wants to make you think you shouldn't do that? Or it's too hard? Because you're dangerous. Praying in the Spirit, and then waiting for the mercy of God. Look at verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. So keep. That love is that agape, sacrificial love that Jesus gave to us. And that mercy is that kindness towards us that we didn't deserve. And he's saying we got to keep ourselves in that, waiting, uh, waiting and looking for that to be fulfilled. And life, look at what life does. Life tries to get us focused on the immediate. Life tries to get us focused on the shiny thing instead of we are looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. That we are pilgrims. That nothing is permanent. And I admit I can be guilty of this so many times too. Just look at the immediate to look at the shiny and not realize, guess what? This is not all there is. And I'm going this way. See, a lot of times we'll hold to the word and we'll pray to the spirit but we're not looking towards the end. I'm not talking about death wish. I'm not talking about being Debbie Downer. I'm saying this is not all there is, and there's going to be something better. That's our part, and that's what every one of us needs to be about is the next part. A lot of times we want the mercy for ourselves, but then he gets into the fact of what about everybody else? What about the lost? And go to he's going to give three types of people here and in the last section of scripture. So you look at verse 22 and have mercy on those who doubt. So now he's switching to wait for God's mercy. But this is where a lot of Christians are doing really good. I'm saved. I'm in the word. I'm praying in the spirit, but we do nothing for everybody else that's dying and going to hell. So he's going to show three people and their situations. First of all, the confused verse 22 and, have mercy on those who doubt. Again, that's the undeserved kindness. 
that God gives us that we now give those. And those that are wavering, they get stuck on, well, how can a God do this? Or why would a God do this? Or I'm not sure. There's so many ways. We need to give them grace. We need not just jump on them. It's a kindness that leads to repentance. And we need to give a reason for the hope that we have with gentleness and peace. And so we need to have compassion on them. And, and the goal it, it, the goal is to lead them towards Christ. and that. Um, so we need to have mercy, and we also need to have conviction. And this is why I'm not, I'm not trying to just lift the Gideons up, but they have a conviction that they believe that God's word and the gospel works and can change people. Well, that's no less for you as a believer. And so we need to have conviction that God's work can have, and we need to speak the truth in love. And so let's think about this. This really makes me kind of sad. We're Southern Baptists. I'm not sad about that. We have really good mission organizations, and one of them is the North American Mission Organization. And I didn't mention about it, but I'm going to disaster relief training in Marshville. I will help you sign up. I think if you're interested in helping physically do something and get the gospel out there, I would love you to go with me. Talk to me afterwards. You need to sign up because it's next month, and this is the closest you'll ever get. Our North American Mission Board is in charge of disaster relief. And guess what? There's more disasters coming, you know, that kind of thing. We've seen that. And so that's the front line on you help somebody and you share the gospel. These are stats from our North American Mission Board, and it makes me really sad. Because this is talking about Baptists, and I'm sure it's true about any believers. But 95% have never verbally shared their faith, the gospel, out loud with anyone. 95%! Don't want you to feel bad. We sit there and yap about what everybody's doing and how wrong they are. We need to shut our mouths if we're not going to give them the hope of the gospel. And I love everybody here and I'm not mad at anyone. But that, that just angers me. And even as a pastor, I'm thinking, what am I doing that doesn't encourage them to do that? And I'm not, I don't want to beat up anybody. I want, I want us to be burdened, not feel bad about it. Shame on us. The confused, those that are doubting. And yes, times are worse, but just dive in. Yes, they're believing crazy things. And no, I don't want to talk about that. But I'm going to love you. And when God gives me the opportunity, I'm going to share the truth with you. And if you want to go further, I'll go further. And if not, I'll dust my feet and go on. Just deliver the mail. But 95% in their whole life have never verbalized the gospel. We're not even patting their backs on their way to hell. We're just saying, good luck. Not even that. You had the confused. Now we got the convicted and the committed. Notice verse 23. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. That word save means to make whole. And it, one of the gospel things that you can share are the three circles. And the first thing on the three circles, there are so many ways to share the gospel on your apps. Uh, we'll help you. And I want to do some training. I don't believe in just one way. Your, the, the gospel is your life before Christ, how you came to Christ, and what Christ is doing in your life right now. Mm-hmm. But that word says to make whole, because guess what? We're all broken. The three circles witnessing talks about God created us for relationship, and then sin broke it. God wants to restore. And so, notice what he says, snatching them, plucking them out of the fire. Yes, somebody can make a decision, and it's their decision to go to hell, but we should have the urgency. If it was our child heading towards a cliff, 
are heading towards danger, we would yell, we would snatch, we would do this. Mm -hmm. And some reason, somehow, as the culture slips and, and we have this lack of discernment, we if you want to bottom line it, everybody's thinking all their loved ones are okay or God will give them a do-over. Okay, if that's the case, let's go home. If that's the case, we don't need to get in Bibles. We don't need the real Bibles because we're reading the wrong thing. Because God is clear and he does not move. The same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, why, if somebody's snatching somebody from something, some of you have been snatched before by your parents, hey, you almost fell off there. Thank you for helping me. You know, my son, when we went fishing the other day, my, my knee's swollen. You know, he had gone on up to the car, and I was yelling when I fell the second time. Okay, it was kind of a slippery slope, okay? I said, well, thanks for coming to get me. He goes, I figured you'd yell longer <laughs> if I need to come get you. <laughs> I said, thanks for, or I think he said, if you had stopped yelling, I think I would have come and got you. you know? So he didn't, have, he couldn't help me in that situation anyway. And we went, we went hiking with my grandson in a beautiful place, and, and, it was really steep, and the, the rocks were loose, and I think I went on that. I made the mistake of doing it afterwards, but you got to be tough. I'm like, man, he's carrying my grandson, and I'm having a time going up here. This is steep. And then we got done, and, we, and we're going home. He goes, boy, that was really sketch. You know, and the fact of going up there, it's like, you know, no, I couldn't have snatched them. He's got my grandson. I don't care about him. They want the grandson to be okay. You know, on his shoulders go up this thing, and I know I can't do much. If I snatch him, we're all going down. But I'm thinking of those things. Yet we go through life, and it's like, that person I met, I wonder where they're going. No urgency. What are we snatching them from? The fires of hell. Literal atonement and, dis and, and separation from God forever. And this is why we need to have mercy and compassion. And we need to have the reverence. And we do this in the fear of the Lord that Jesus is coming and we're okay. And it could be today. Notice the last part of that. You ever been around? I, I don't like wearing white. I'll wear a white shirt under a suit. It's really weird when you're OCD. I met, a, I had a guy in our church that is OCD. Not, I'm not talking about this church, but another one. We got some in here too, but I won't call you out. I know, I, there's, anyway. Okay. But he wouldn't wear a black shirt because he could see everything on it. It's like, if I think about it, that would bother me. But the white shirt is for me. It's like, why wear a white shirt? Ladies, you guys are brave. Why would you wear white pants? Like, wear Labor Day, so you're about the end of whatever that's about. Okay. But, you know, uh, the only reason I'll wear a white shirt is if it's under a suit and with a, a tie, and you all better be good till maybe Christmas or next Lord's Supper, because I had to wear a suit three times last week, so we're done. I know I look nice and I cleaned up. Hey, we got heritage today. Okay, whatever. But, but, oh my goodness, when I've had something that I know doesn't want, I don't want to get messed up like a white shirt, there's no way I'd wear a white polo. And I know you're going to give me 50 of those. I don't care. Okay, I'll give them to the mission. Okay, whatever. All right, a bunch of homeless people wearing stained white shirts. Okay, all right. But anyway, those times when I've, I've encountered that, and you see that kid from church that just had the chocolate donut, and they love the pastor, and they're like, hey, Pastor Russell, I'm like, trip. Okay, but anyway, uh, your kid got hurt. I don't know what happened. But, 
and my wife's not mean, but she's trained all of us to do our own clothes, and I only try to do it every two weeks, and shot does pretty good, but there's some things I can't get out. It's like, I'm like, I don't want to get that stain. Like today, the corn shack. I have my Bass Chapel. Uh, not, it's not going to be this one. I've got my Bass Chapel uh, butter stained shirt that I wear at the corn shack, okay? Because once it's stained, I didn't get it out in time. Whatever. I try to watch, hey, I don't want to get that on me because I don't want to clean it up. What, do you, what is he saying here? Snatch them out of the fire, but be careful about that you don't get into their stuff. I know God's put me with nine people that they're out there. Call them the nine, according to the Lord of the Rings. You won't get any of that, but I don't care. That's pretty funny. Okay, but you know what? They're out there. Now, I have to, I, they're not leading me into sin. I know where I'm at. I'm not like spending a ton of time with them, but you've got to understand that. You've got to be careful that, oh, I like them. So no, there's no way God's going to send them to hell because they're loving. They're all these kind of things. Really? Then again, why are we here today? Mm-hmm. Why are we placing importance on his word? That's what he's saying here. While you're snatching the fire, make sure you don't get burned. Make sure you don't get those stains on you. Trip that little kid so you don't get that. Okay, but Annette didn't do it, but I may run from him, okay? Uh, but your next, your next R, your final one, if we're going to stay in the truth, we need to reach out with the truth. I know everybody here. I'm going to help you how we can. And I know that statistic doesn't always apply, but that is a really damning statistic. 95% have never verbally shared the gospel. So do you want your loved ones to go to heaven? Do you want your neighbors to go to heaven? Do you want the people that God puts in front of you to go to heaven? I'm going to do, my job is Ephesians 4.12, to encourage and to equip you. I am going to do whatever it takes to help you begin to pray, to help you begin to say. I don't know, in, in, in these nine people, I don't know when God is going to have me, I'm going to say the word, go downtown with them. Listening by the Spirit, but I will know. I will know when it's time to say, look, this is what God says. And I think really you do. But we need to reach them with the truth. Now, we need to reach the confused. We need to reach the convicted and the fact that they're ungodly and this is what they're going to do. And we need to reach the committed like this is what I'm doing. I don't care. We need to we need to uh, be gentle and quick and careful and doers of the word. Gentle, quick, careful, and doers of the word. So I got a question for you before we have a time of invitation. How good are you staying in the truth? I think most of us would say, well, I believe God's word. I'm into God's word. Maybe it's prayer. I'll help you however I can to develop your prayer life because I just struggle through it. I, and nobody sat down and said, this is how you pray, or this is what you do. And that may be where you're at. Are you growing in the Word? Are you growing in prayer? What are you looking for? Uh, I'm looking for lunch. How about beyond lunch? How about the fact that this is not all there is? I think where we may really land today is we're, we're surviving, but we're in that 95%. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Do 
Jesus is merciful, Jesus saves. Don't want you to feel bad, but boy, you should feel convicted. I do too. But God's, it's not the pastor never shared. I got an open thing to share here. I'm talking about that everyday stuff when I'm trying to, I'm not trying to be an undercover pastor, but it's like, leave me alone. I'm just trying to fish or whatever. And then God brings these people to me and it took me for a while to say, uh, I get it. I'm a Christian. And you brought this person to me to yap out their story. I need to listen and I need to look for the opportunity. 95%. Why don't we as a church in this next year, what would happen? What would happen if we started to pray for our nine? Let's just say our one, your one. You start to pray for your one. And by the end of the next September, you verbally share the gospel with them. It's not even about growing this church because we want to grow God's kingdom. What do you think would happen? My goodness. That may be where you're at today that you're like, okay, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to know how I'm going to do it. But when you call, when you call, call me to share the truth, I'm going to do that. That is all part of staying in the truth, being in his word, being in prayer, and reaching out to others. As we stand on our feet and have a time of invitation, you may need to pray. Or you may have heard the truth of the gospel and need to receive Christ. Or you may, may want to become part of this imperfect body of believers. Whatever you need to do today, come to the truth and stay in the truth. Lord, I ask that you speak to our hearts and we be obedient to you today. In your name, Jesus.